Hello, I'm John Kenny, the Relationship Guy and Relationship Coach, helping people to create healthy, intimate relationships. Welcome to the show, the show where we talk about all things relationships with a mix of my own relationship ramblings and some great guests from all walks of life who will be discussing the importance of relationships to them. Hello, I'd like to say a big welcome to my guest, Elizabeth Goddard, the author of Finding Lily, the A to Z of Emotional Abuse, and the soon-to-be-released Three Things Not to Do When Divorcing a Narcissist. Elizabeth is also an emotional, emotional abuse therapist, and she is the founder of The Divorce Sanctuary. Not only that, but she is a speaker, which is actually where we met five years ago on our speaker training and have been following each other ever since. Elizabeth, welcome to the Relationship Guide podcast. Thank you so much, John. Thank you. Lovely to have you here. If I've just done a brief introduction, if you want to tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself, that'd be great. Yeah, I work with uh, mainly women, um, helping them heal from emotionally abusive relationships. I call it emotionally divorcing. So it's getting them to a point where um it it doesn't matter sorry i can hear sirens going through do you want me to start i I can't hear them this end so okay right okay so i work with mainly women helping them uh get to a point where they're emotionally divorced from the relationship Um, i do work with men but it's majority uh, of my clients are women and it's finding out where the abuse originally started and taking uh, and healing right the way back to that original wound. Uh, I think it's, to me, I describe it like a Baruka. So it's, you, you, if you come out of a relationship and as you go in and really deeply heal and find out where it is, it's much like the Baruka virus. It sits and it lays dormant and it mm-hmm. waits until somebody else comes along and it, and it flares up again, it triggers it again. Okay, yeah, it's interesting what you just said there. It waits until someone else comes along. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you've done a lot of work in this field, but, you know, quite clearly, you have a lot of experience. I believe you've been sort of working with people for over 20 years now. Yeah, I originally got involved in the um, natural, you know, that area after the birth of my daughter. And um, the doctors didn't want to know. She just cried constantly. And so went down all sorts of routes with her um, from cranial osteopathy to homeopathy. And, And it sort of got me on that journey of I then went into Reiki and massage and I went down that route. And then about 10 years ago, I decided I retrained it might be even longer than that now and I retrained as a spiritual life coach but even that didn't wasn't where I am now you know I've got I was working with people um, you know coaching um, clients and I also was training as Reiki master teacher Um, and then it was the collapse of my uh, marriage that you know took me down this route and actually it wasn't wasn't that long before I met you so when Mm. we met uh, you know at that point I was hovering in and out of trying to understand what was going on so Mm -hmm. yeah from that yeah five years five years ago yeah yeah, something like that yeah yeah I've noticed that your message over the the five years that I've been following and stuff has has changed and the depth 
that you've come to with this background in this narcissistic, toxic, unhealthy relationship. Yeah. Uh, would you be okay to sort of just tell us a little bit about how that affected you and, and the importance of those kind of relationships for you? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't the first one that I'd had, mm-hmm. uh, but it was the one that I decided this is this is it. I'm never doing this again. And I also, um, I actually uh, said to him, I don't want anyone else to experience this. I don't want anyone else to go through what I'm going through. Mm-hmm. And um I had no idea at the time <laughs> where that that statement was going to take me. Uh-huh. Um, I was thinking I could help people stop getting into these relationships and mm-hmm. I couldn't. It was um, helping them heal a lot quicker, understanding how to get out of these spirals that mm-hmm. are horrific. Um, they just take you out of nowhere your mind just spirals out of control Mm. and you've got this cognitive dissonance of holding these two conflicting thoughts of one the person that was wearing the mask that you thought they were that they portrayed for such a long time and this other person that they're playing or they played at the end of the relationship and you it's trying to get to that, to marry them up, to calm them down so that you can rationalize that this is who they were. They were so generous. They were so nice. They were, but actually they weren't, it was abusive and, you know, controlling. And um, this, these are actually trauma bonds. They were bonding you by trauma. And, and it's so, and that is such a painful and conflicting place to sit Mm. and, it's about trying uh, helping people get out of that as well. So um, on my YouTube channel, I've got quite a few meditations that I intersperse so that people can breathe through it or ground. And loneliness is another one. It's huge coming out of these relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you turn around and there's nobody around. Nobody gets it. Nobody understands what you're going through. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I've gone the kind of opposite way to you, <laughs> whereas I was working with people that were in toxic and unhealthy relationship spaces. And then I made that decision. I thought, well, actually, wouldn't it not be better if I could just help people not to get into this space in the first place? Yeah. Um, and now I've gone into that field. It's just to say, actually, it'd be much, it wouldn't be much better if you could understand how you got there in the first place. I think we'll come back to that point that you made when you introduced yourself understanding how you got to that space in the first place and how you can stop yourself from doing it again and you mentioned that and and like I said when you introduce yourself about that that energy about getting yourself into that space can you tell me a bit more about it um yeah so as children we're sponges and we if we've grown up in an environment that um has been in some form abusive then we will see that the behavior in that relationship is normal. We won't see it anything in any other way. It's, um, it's, I wouldn't say it's comfortable, but it doesn't raise the red flags that it does for other people. And, um, and it's understanding, so we get to about seven or eight years old. And up until that point, we've lived in a theta state. We've lived in a hypnotic um, state that our brain is taking on everything as normal. This is how everybody behaves. And, and it might not be, you know, in certain 
certain environments it will be but in other environments it's it's certainly unhealthy mm. and um and as i said not everybody obviously goes through it some people have got brilliant parents some people have got good enough parents um that that get them through and then you've got the the other element whether it was um there's substance abuse or there's depression or there's something else going on you know a parent is um high up on that narcissistic scale and and you see that behavior as normal behavior yeah yeah and that is how people it's not how they get into it but that's how they put up with this they get trauma bonded into um through the cycle of abuse, which is idealization, devaluation, and discard. And, and the abuser will take you through. So they they appear and they ask so many questions and they're so interested in you. But really what they're doing is it's like a project manager collecting all the information that they need on this project. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they will focus on that and they wear the mask that they believe that you're looking for, the person you're looking for. And then they introduce a bit of devaluation and a bit discard and you're thinking hang on a minute and then they'll come back with the idealization this love bombing that goes on Mm -hmm. and you're constantly trying to get to this point where you're back in that love bombing you're back on the pedestal where they've placed you as this most important person and they'll tell you things like you're that you're they're your soulmate and you're always meant to be together and you're the only person that ever understands them Mm -hmm. and and then they treat you in this uh in this way of devaluation and then they whip you back round, and you're just getting trauma bonded and traumatized in this place. But it doesn't feel it. The red flags are there, but it doesn't necessarily feel for everybody un, um, unfamiliar because in some level they might have experienced that whether it was in their immediate family or maybe at school or, you know, there, there is something that they've experienced that sort of fits in um, and they then get bonded into it rather than being able to step out and say, Oh no, 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 this is really unhealthy. Mm-hmm. You get, you get stuck in there and that's where it's coming out of the relationship when the final discard, because there's always discards going on. It's the final discard. So it's whether the, um, the person has spotted the abuse in the relationship and they've taken themselves out of it or the abuser has um, gone through that process of final discard and that is where you just you know there's so much confusion going on your brain is trying to process everything that happened and partly waiting for them to come back because they've always come back before so you get sort of stuck yeah yeah, I guess that's the thing about what you said in, in childhood, just to explain that bit about the theta waves. The theta oh, yeah. wave is your mm. brain waves as a child, they're much slower, aren't they? So yeah. it's like being under hypnosis as an it adult, is. it's much easier for you to absorb information and that yeah. thing goes in very, very deeply at that age. And then you, what you're saying then is that you learn to relate to your caregivers or whatever's going on in your life as a child. So therefore, when you get older, this form of abuse this bonding that you get to something toxic or unhealthy Mm. and abusive is your normal Mm. so therefore as an adult when someone else has comes into your life as and you start having adult relationships Mm. they're able to pick up on that level of energy that you're putting out yeah it's i i think they are they ask so many questions and they at that point understand what your wounds are they understand you know what happened to you in childhood obviously they play this big thing that they had this horrific childhood 
um, that they are they are able. And I don't know whether it's a beacon, you know, because people talk. I've got a group and, uh, you know, people say it's like they they've read a book. It's like they there's they've got different personalities. They have different ways and techniques of doing things, but they all it all goes along the same route it's it's this cycle is very similar uh, mm. well it is the same for everybody it's just on different levels mm. um and yeah it's, it's they they tune into where your wounds are they understand you know and then they use it against you to hurt you mm. um yeah it's a painful experience a very painful experience and that that is just to meet the need that they've got in order to kind of ha kind of have that relationship for themselves right i mean i've got so many different theories on this i mean i see them as empty and i see them or describe them or have described them as like vampires sucking the lifeblood out of somebody else because that's how you feel at the end mm -hmm. you know if you haven't got out and they've gone you've gone through that final discard it's like they've sucked literally everything out of you and um and I, it, I describe it in so many different areas. So emotionally and mentally, they've sucked the life, you know, lifeblood mm. out of you physically, um, spiritually. So that's all your beliefs, everything that you believed growing up or they've taken everything and they've twisted it. And now you don't know. And usually financially as well. That's usually a really big one. Yeah. Yeah. that's interesting. I worked with a lady a little while ago um, and she was with this guy for seven years and he never worked a day that they were together um, yeah. and she paid for him to go well she paid for him basically to do everything she even paid for him to go on holiday with his friends um, yeah. <laughs> and she never went on holiday with him at all yeah. uh, and again you can just say he's he he got into her mind like you said he played that game at the start yeah. he was asking a lot of questions he was figuring out her uh, her fragility and and her her needs mm. um, and then he played played her for a long time and actually he was the one that then left her at the end when he when he when there was nothing else for him to take. exactly there's nothing else for them financially or in any other area so and then somebody else knew either it's because you you've been such dry of everything mm. And you can't give them the attention that they they crave. So you've got nothing left. You've got nothing for you. You've got definitely got nothing for them. Um, and um, so they usually are tempted by someone who's either got more money or can provide better attention or, um, you know, all sorts of different things. And off they trot. So, um, yeah, but they do if they if they spot. It's like they can sniff a sniff like a sniffer dogs. They can sniff out if you're starting to repair some of the damage, and um, and they they're back in. They sneak back in with an email, text message. You know the hoovering comes out. You know just to see what's going on. It might be that they're a little bit bored, or you know the relationship is as, isn't as fulfilling as they thought it was going to be. But or or they're not as committed at that point. The other person isn't committing they've got spare time so they'll come in and just sort of play with you and your emotions wow. so i remember on the um on the course that we did on the saturday i'd had no contact for i don't know how long it had been maybe a week or or so and i was feeling really good yeah. and then arrived at the um at the venue on the saturday morning and i quickly flicked through and i saw an email 
And it was like, have you hacked into my Facebook? Have you been trying to get a... And it just wiped me completely. You know, I was in a good space and it's like, no, I haven't. You know, I wouldn't... I know that I, you know, I, I just wouldn't do that. Mm. Um, or I couldn't do that. Um, because I had tried at certain points when things weren't adding up. I was wanted to look what, what I wasn't seeing on Facebook. And it, you know, realised that I was being blocked off certain things that were happening so um yeah they're very they're very clever very manipulative um and they play with people and it's a great game for them you know that's what they want they just want to see how powerful they are so and and the kind of that stuff you and i think it's it's interesting you talk about this stuff comes so when we're attracted to abusive relationships or whatever level of abuse that might be it generally comes from the 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 experiences that we have when we when we're growing up maybe a bit of trauma later on in life Mm. but they're also coming from a trauma aren't they they're coming from their own trauma yeah i think that's an important thing for us to recognize that yeah i think damage within themselves and and that damage seems to gel quite well as 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 a couple doesn't it yeah that's right yeah it's like a mirroring of mm. you know because usually you've got um either like an empath straight codependent personality versus the narcissistic um sociopathic psychopathic and we're all on that spectrum all of us mm-hmm. we're all on that spectrum um majority of us are very low at the bottom it's you know the the it's only a small percentage that are right round the top and even then i think the the figures that are quoted, I think it's like one percent of the pers- uh, of the population. Well, those figures date back to something like the 1950s when it, it was looked at. And the other thing I ask people to think about is actually these people can't take responsibility, so they won't go and get a diagnosis. They wouldn't go and get help. It's mm-hmm. all your fault. But yeah, you've got the matching, mm-hmm. or they match. They say they've got a similar wound they definitely wounded and you're definitely wounded um that they say they've got and they understand and this is why you're supposed to be together and your soulmates and mm. and you buy into that you know this person actually sees me and acknowledges me and it might be the first time you've been seen in on that level ever um yeah so they do have uh they have they're supposed to be matching wounds. I'm not quite sure how, but they are wounded. <laughs> I would say, yeah, I think matching is is the uh, is a is an unhealthy yeah. way of doing it. Polarity, maybe yeah, you know, connection there isn't there. Yeah, but definitely, both you're feeding off of each other's energy, yeah. and there is a, a, a subconscious attraction to each yeah. other. Yeah, and that. and the also the um, abused because they claim they're the victim. They claim mm. they're the victim. Mm-hmm. They're the real victim in all of this. Well have probably been in a pleasing relationship where they um, are used to running around and uh, protecting themselves. You know, they might be used to um, walking on eggshells with a parent or caregiver. Mm. Um, So there's that element there as well, where I think we have to be really careful in these particular relationships is yes, they are wounded and not get caught up in the fact that, um, you feel sorry for them because that's if you've been in that relationship that's really what you how you got sucked in mm. is trying to help them trying to heal them yeah. they are attracted empaths the natural healer is very attracted to these people um because they yeah they they 
they believe that they can help them um, and not from an ego place at mm. all. It's they really see that wounded inner child and they and they want to heal, you know, want to help them. So but they, it's just knowing that that point that, yes, they are. But that's their responsibility to go and and get and heal themselves. It isn't anybody else's responsibility because acknowledging that they are damaged doesn't excuse the behavior i've been caught so many times with this myself when it, but i know that this happened and i know and trying to you know i do understand why it happened it doesn't excuse excuse what what the the behavior that's a massively important point to make isn't it that we know that again if we are in a an unhealthy or toxic kind of relationship, we know this tooth tango here. We know that there's there's like you said wounds on both sides, but it's really important that we don't try to repair the wounds of somebody else that's not prepared to take on that responsibility to repair themselves and are just using you in order to fill their hole. Yeah, 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 to fill them up, and and it's like an it's like a void. It's I don't think it's ever ever going to be filled up i think i saw a couple of brilliant um things and i like uh, i don't know it wasn't a post but it might be like a memo or something like that and one of them was um i'm done oh, i can't remember now what it was it was like i'm i've done fostering um men you know uh, and it was like i've done i've done healing them for mm. them to then walk on into other relationships so i'm not necessarily <laughs> sure that was an abusive relationship but yeah. you know i'm, I'm yeah. done fostering men now i'm, I'm yeah. really looking for someone who's done the work on themselves which i thought was absolutely brilliant definitely that kind of made me giggle because that's what i used to call myself i used to say actually used to say this is one of my relationship beliefs that i had that my role was to make people feel better, to make women feel better about themselves. And then they would move on, which is generally what would happen. I would uh, go out and update people that would have a lot of emotional issues. Yeah. When they were in a confident self, have, you know, built up their yeah. workplace, I was providing for them. Yeah. They would then go off with somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, and I think that sums it up. I think that's the fostering, isn't it? She yeah. said, I'm done fostering men now, something like along those lines. And I thought, oh, that, that's absolutely brilliant. I'm looking for a man, you know, not a, not a man child. So, <laughs> <laughs> And I think that's the thing, isn't it, with, a, with especially with an, and the thing about narcissists, it's a word that's thrown around very, very sparing, uh, not sparing, it's very, very popular at the moment to throw it, it is. around, isn't it? And it, it doesn't describe a lot of people I think it's a, it's a buzzword isn't it at the moment I think yeah and also when you use the word narcissist people see that grandiose like look mm. at me and you yeah. know and and there are worse out there than that you know the ones there's that so many different types aren't there yeah and the ones that you don't know are um you know you think because they're quiet but they can actually be more deadly mm. than the um the, you know the then the the grandiose ones because the grandiose ones are so obvious yeah. you know of who they are it's the really quiet ones and then you've also got the ones that sort of balance between you know sort of flip between the two mm. um you know they in certain situations they're hey look at me and then they're they then they play the innocent child or they're damaged or whatever and 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 they're quite dangerous as well so um i think everybody yeah. that's got 
uh, a lot of narcissistic traits is a, is, is a very dangerous relationship to be. And I actually read some, an article a few weeks ago about the covert narcissist. I think that's what they call the silent ones. Covert. Yeah, the <laughs> covert, covert yeah. yeah. There are so many things for us to be aware of as far as, and, it, you know, they might not necessarily be a narcissist. They're just on that nasty. Like you said, there's a, a level that we're all on as yeah. far as where we've come from and how we how we are within relationships. But it's those yeah, extreme I, I, kind of levels that we yeah, need. Yeah, I describe it as, again, going back to the child thing, you know, as a child, you have to have that narcissistic trait because you have to, it has to be all about you. That's your survival. Hmm. And where we get to about, I think it's about five or six. So, um, you know, we, we start to, we still, and, and even I should think three and four is quite a crucial age as well. We start to detach from the people around us. So we start to break away from those. You know, we realize that there's um, a difference between me and uh, and one of my parents. I can mm. see that there's a, a split. Yeah. Um, whereas I think um, with narcissistic parents, they do not have that. They mm. do not see um, the they they do not see the, the the break that you are a separate person mm-hmm. so you are fuel i mean this is it isn't it it's you are fuel you uh, represent something to everybody so it might be that you're really good at sport or academically or something so they use you as a as a trophy child you know mm-hmm. or you might you might have another one that's really pretty or attractive or whatever and that's another form of of supply for them yeah. so um yeah and it's not understanding that how how we're all individual people we're all different and we have different needs so um but yeah it's it's uh it's a really interesting it's that having that break mm. um you know understanding that 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 you're a different person to your to your immediate family if that makes sense does that make sense yeah so you, you, you recognize yourself as an individual exactly yeah uh, as a separate like you said an entity from and it, like you said if you've got a narcissistic parent your narcissistic parent won't allow you to make that break or that no, that's, you know, and, you know, it's, it's these, we understand at certain ages, we can see the difference, you know, I think it's around about 14 that we can look at our environment and we can, you know, that we have been brought up in, and this is the condition between zero to seven, eight years old and see the difference between, ah, oh, you know, my friend Lucy down the road doesn't, they, their family don't do what mm-hmm. we do and you you then start to identify and it's and it's that whether you're allowed to be mature whether you're allowed to venture out on your own and and um you know emotionally mature or whether you're held within this uh, relationship with your parents so um yeah it's a very interesting dynamic so we all are on the scale and as i said as a baby that is what we we learn. We we need to. It's a survival coping mechanism. So we have to, you know, we and then, but we yes, yeah, as I said, we we then start to understand our, you know, how other that we are separate from other people yeah. if we're allowed to. Yeah. So what is um uh, as as the work that you do now? Is there something as a sort of a? I know this is a very sweeping piece of, of advice that you could offer. Uh, because everybody is so individually attached to these relationships and have their own issues from their background that um, 
attract them towards these type of people and allow these kind of people into their lives. But is there something you could think of that would be a good bit of uh, advice for somebody that finds themselves in these types of situations that they could implement immediately to help them in these situations? Right. So if you're immediately in a relationship, though it's quite new <laughs> and you haven't been completely trauma bonded into, into that, um, I would not give anyone more than one chance. Uh, I, you know, it was something I really struggled with for a long time. And I wouldn't, I would say, no, if, if somebody oversteps one of your really, if you, you the whole point of, with narcissistic relationships is they love crushing boundaries. They love to see how far they can push you. Yeah. And if they overstep it once, if they overstep it, so I used to give people three chances. I, I've told you, okay, maybe you didn't get it. Maybe I wasn't mm -hmm. fully explaining it to you. Maybe you didn't understand that. Um, third time. And I used to say, right, look, I'm, you know, this isn't quite, but um, with my last uh, with with uh, with my um, last relationship, uh, my marriage that broke down, um, I, I I fell for the victim story, and yeah. actually I recognised some of the wounds that I'd grown up with. Mm -hmm. So, and I think that's where it was very difficult for me. Um, but I would say, if you see a red flag, if something doesn't feel right, then you say no, and I'm that's it. Or if they beg you one more chance, if you cannot say no, and then you do it. Because once you start, once you start breaking your boundaries, once you start saying, well, this doesn't feel right, or, you know, I don't agree with that sort of, you know, the, that behavior, mm. um, you forget, you know, that they'll push it a little way. And oh, well, it wasn't really. And they're very good. Well, some of them are very good at using other people's behavior. So they'll find people around you and say, well, look, this person's doing it. And they're very good at justifying their behavior. Yeah. That would be if you're in a, in a relationship, it, um, if you know, it's, and it's quite new and you can get out relatively quickly and unscathed. Yeah. Um, if you, most people don't understand until they've come out, um, the abuse that took place it's very very hard or you might dip in and out you know it's not right mm -hmm. and one of my favorite analogies is the slot machine and when you're in that relationship you've invested so much mm -hmm. you've invested so much time and energy and you've given up so much and it's like you you the next pool's gonna be the you know the the jackpot win you're promised so much and, and, and it never happens. It's never going to be there. But people hang on and it's knowing when to quit. It's also a bit like having a car that gets economically to the point where oh, I've spent quite a lot of money getting this repaired. I'll keep it for another year or shall I sell it now and get something new? And mm -hmm. it's making that decision, like that money pit decision. And, and, and it's but it is very hard. It won't be until people are out of the relationship or very closely out of the relationship that they might start to notice and, and sort of think, oh, God, you know, you know, they, and start to look what it is that is wrong. And, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people in the group that might a group that I run come in and say, you know, I've started to realize I've started to see I'm in a 30 year, 22 year, 27 year relationship. You know, what, what advice do you give to the people that have been in these relationships for that amount of time? Okay, the first thing is no contact. If you can, 
no contact whatsoever and then greet my two your two best friends because you will now realize that when you turn around nobody understands you some people are actually grieving themselves because they bought into the relationship they were mm. you know had some form you know um they they bought into this relationship as well and lived it from the outside um but your two very best friends now are grounding and breathing okay. and they would be my thing, my my two go to. That's exactly all you need to do at this point while you calm everything down. A lot of people come out with complex post-traumatic stress disorder, mm. and this the conflict of the um, cognitive dissonance. So breathing and grounding, and it helps you come into your body, and it helps you then rationalise your thought process, and then you can go, okay, yeah, actually they did this and they did that and they did that. Whereas you're fighting against a, 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 another part of your brain that's going, but they were so nice and they looked after me and they, you know. And while they're, if they're in this relationship, rather than them actually coming away from that, if they're actually in this now, it's really important that you're saying that they reflect on the space that they're in and to acknowledge that these signs and acknowledge that these things are going on. And protect themselves and also look for an escape route. So um, as in um, usually the uh, on the financial coercion side, um, so coercive control is really big in the UK um, and it's now a law. It's been the law uh, for six years now. Um, but financial coercion is a part of that. And financial coercion is, is forcing somebody very much like you said, your client would, ran out, you know, got to the point where she had nothing left. Mm. Um, it's it's about uh, how they abuse people and put them in that financial position that they're paying for everything. And yeah. they literally have nothing to, they might not be able to feed themselves or clothe themselves or, um, you know, or they're responsible in, in a, a way, ability to kind of look after themselves in every way, shape or form. Or escape. Another one is that they wouldn't be financially able to escape. So it would be about looking at, at what they could do to get out of that relationship and you have to be ready to come out um on average seven to eight times people go back i mean that is on average somebody will count maybe first time another person might be 15 times they've mm. tried to break free on average it's seven to eight times you know that they'll be dragged in through this hoovering and it also feels so much safer it's so bizarre but it feels mm. so much safer in that relationship than it does out of the relationship because your whole world was consumed by them. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's an environment there where you've just got so familiar with it that anything that feels away, again, because, again, we talk about trauma bonding. If you want to know a bit more about trauma bonding, go back to my episode, why people find it difficult to walk away from relationships, where there's a there's an explanation of trauma bonding in there if you want to know a bit more about it. But there is that, isn't it? It's that space that they've, Again, I don't want to give them all the responsibility for it. It's a space that we create as well. I remember going through yeah. this myself and it was yes. definitely a need within me that allowed me to be in that space in the first place and why I got so enmeshed in that relationship and those relationships. Um, but it is you see, you, 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 that kind of space that's created is so, so safe and secure and you, and you wouldn't mm. know what to do without it. Um, yeah. That's yeah. a really powerful place that we can get stuck yeah but as you were saying it's really important to take that kind of step back and reflect and look out for everything that you're not comfortable with yeah look out for all these signs that you've discussed today to be able yeah. to 
trust your gut a little bit more how you feel oh, well because that, that is the one thing that i mean there's so many things that they're you know they do but the gut is the one thing that they get you to turn off and it mm. it's that gaslighting they're mm. challenging everything so you say oh this doesn't fit i remember so many times saying i this doesn't feel right there's something going on and it doesn't feel right i'm being told that it wasn't no it wasn't my gut was off it wasn't it was everything was fine yeah. and it was me imagining I've got an over you know or the um the one that I heard a lot was um that I'd been in a relationship before that had treated me that way and I was using that as an you know I was getting confused and yeah. then you start to question am I right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Oh, maybe my gut is overreacting. Maybe I do have trust issues. That was it. Trust issues mm-hmm. was the thing. And, uh, yeah. um, and I had trust issues and I, and then I, in the moments of clarity, it's why it's so important to breathe and ground. I could think back to actually, no, this isn't. And when I came out of the relationship, it was like, hang on a minute. This was, um, this happened at the beginning of the relationship. That's mm-hmm. what my gut was telling me. Mm-hmm. You've been here and it doesn't feel right. The yeah. one thing that you can, because it's so difficult when you're in the relationship, but you can do things like, um, obviously look at your escape route, but you can find places, safe places within your home. So whether it's you go and lock yourself in the toilet and you do some grounding, uh, some grounding and breathing, um you can do the the superman of you do the um amy cubby superman pose where you literally change the physiology within your body by standing and you can do this in a toilet cubicle Mm -hmm. and you know standing in that superman pose and it literally changes your physiology so you can then and i wrote i'm writing about this at the moment and it's about a situation where i was called bipolar And what I was doing was I was using that technique and I was calming myself down and I was breathing through it. And because I wasn't reacting in the way that was expected, I was supposed to be breaking down. And I think I was getting upset, but I was trying to change my energy really quickly and getting into a place. I was called bipolar. And then it was, I mean, this is six years ago. Yeah. So, um, and I know, like, the other they were so used to you probably going into that small. I mean, it's interesting that you say about the superimposed. The reason that we talk about these types of things and changing your state is because by opening up your body, is the complete opposite to generally what we do when we feel like we're being put on, isn't it? So we go into yeah. this little ball, we curl up. Yeah. Um, whereas when we go into these things like the Superman pose, it opens your body out mm. and it changes your entire physiology, doesn't it? It is. Yeah. It's the chemistry. We all are a bunch of chemicals, you mm. know, driven by hormones and, and stress, you know, the, the situations that we're in, the stress levels. So, yeah, you can literally change your physiology just by doing that one thing. So if you're in that situation and you're living, still living with them, you can disappear to the bathroom. We all need to go to the bathroom yeah. and just stand there and do that, you know. Um, but yeah, it, was, it just reminded me writing about it with, of this bipolar accusation. And it, it took me six years to actually, even over the six years, I've gone, oh God, maybe I have got bipolar. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? How you're led to question yourself. I know, and then it's yeah. like, ridiculous that's gaslighting but it was it was one of those ones that maybe was down a lower down thing that needed healing but once Mm. i acknowledged that and it was oh god of course it's gaslighting yeah so absolutely amazing so much so much stuff i mean we could talk for hours on this um and that's why you've written all the books (laughs) (laughs) so much so much to say 
Um, it's been great having you. If you could just get, tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you if they want to find out a bit more about what you do. Yes. So um, my website is divorcesanctuary.com. It's about emotional divorce as well. If you, you know, equally physical and emotional, but it's about emotionally divorcing so that you can get the physical divorce that you, you know, you you should be able to get um, on your terms. Um, I do a lot of deep healing with um, getting right down to the roots, like I said, with the Veruca, it's back to the original wound. Mm-hmm. And I, um, so you can find all those, you know, I either do a program or you can work with me on an individual basis, one off um, therapy. Uh, my book uh, you can buy from the website as well. There's some right. free resources. I've got a self-care workbook on there and turn broken, broken into your superpower. And that's working with those five elements of finances and emotional and physical and spiritual energies. Um, and I run a Facebook group, um, which hopefully will be in the link below because I don't know. It is called The Divorce Sanctuary. And it, it, I think the tagline is something like emotionally divorced first. Um, it is for helping women who've been uh, through that relationship. Majority of them in there are um, going through divorce. I've even got quite a chunk of people are coming in at the moment that have divorced over the last couple of years or last few months, and they're really struggling. So it's about support. And then there's my YouTube channel, which is the Emotional Abuse Sanctuary. And there's nearly 300 videos on there and various different things about emotional abuse. Um, and meditations on there as well, which I think is really important. It's that grounding and breathing. Mm-hmm. So, so important. Yeah, definitely. Like an amazing uh, resource there. Um, ev- don't worry about writing this all down. It's going to be in the show notes. Um, so if you want to get in touch with Elizabeth, please do this. There's an, an abundance of, of things that she's offering that can help you. If any of the things that we've talked about today resonate, if you find yourself in this situation, please do know that you can do something about it. Um, It's not a helpless situation. Um, And Elizabeth can help you to understand exactly what you can do. Yeah. And if I just sum that up with my marriage broke down and I had nothing, literally lost the house within months Mm -hmm. and my cars broke down and I had, I I was literally, I had absolutely nothing. I had 71 pounds, I think in savings and, um, and I've managed to turn the whole thing around. It's about working inside out. You can do it. You just got to be, you've got to want to do it. Right. And on that note, I'm going to leave the show today. Thanks again, Elizabeth, for your time. Thanks for being a marvellous guest, all the information you've given, and for a wonderful conversation. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe, follow and review the show. That is very much appreciated. And please do reach out if you would like to know more about how you can create healthy, intimate relationships in your life. I will leave you with this quote from Carl Bond. Although we can't go back and make a brand new start, we can start now and make a brand new ending. I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Relationship Guide.